0: First Church, we are so glad that you chose to worship with us today and celebrate Easter Sunday. In addition to all the hundreds of people we have gathered in this room here today, we have even more of our church family worshiping with us online right now. So if you are here in person, would you put your hands together and welcome in our online family. So glad to have all you guys and especially if you're a guest here today, we're especially excited to have you as well. And I want to start off today by asking a question, and it's this. Have you ever had one of those moments or experiences in life where your only reaction has been, wow? Have you ever had one of those moments that's been so stunning, so shocking, so impressive that the only word that popped into your mind was the word, Wow, I've had several moments like that in life. The other day I was reading about this guy. His name is Alex Segura, and he holds the world record for holding your breath. He held his breath underwater without any assistance for 24 straight minutes. And I remember when I read about him, I thought, Wow, I mean, that is impressive. I can't even sit still for 24 minutes, let alone hold my breath for 24 minutes. That's really cool. Or how about this guy right here? His name is Joey Chestnut. He is the world hot dog eating champion. And last year, in 2020, he ate 75 hot dogs, buns included, in 10 minutes. And I remember when I heard about that, I thought, wow, disgusting, but wow, I mean, can you say heartburn? That's what would happen to me if I tried to eat that many hot dogs. That phrase, you know, you will die young, it probably applies to Joey here, but still, when I heard about him, I just thought, wow. How about Erica Stewart? She's a track star in the state of Louisiana. This is her morning run, and she's running 20 miles per hour. We didn't speed this video up. That's actually how fast she's running. Hey, if she ever asks you to play a game of tag, don't do it. You're gonna lose, okay? I remember watching that video and just thinking, Wow! And how about this video that went viral a few, a few years ago? It's of a dog that stole his owner's GoPro camera, and so he ran around the yard with him. you. Can see the owner trying to get it, and the dog's like, "Not today!" You know, he just keeps running. And I remember when I saw that all that uh, was captured on video, I thought, "Wow, what a cool video!" The other day, I was with my kids. Allison was busy, and so I was watching them. And I took them to a local pet store. I love taking my kids to the pet store. It's like a free zoo. I'm cheap, so you know. I took my kids to this pet store. We're looking at all the animals there, and we saw this box turtle that was kind of unique. Here's a picture of us with this turtle, and there wasn't a price tag on it, and my kids were kind of fascinated by it, so I asked one of the workers, I was like, how much is that turtle? And she said, well, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's around $100. And I thought, wow, $100 for a turtle? Now, that wasn't my son Alex's response. His response was, we'll take it. I was like, no, we won't either. We're not spending 100 bucks on a turtle. We've got free turtles in our backyard, you know. I'm not going to spend that much on a turtle. I thought, wow, that's a whole lot of money for a box turtle. And you've probably had moments like that in your life as well where you just thought, wow. Well, as you casually read through the Gospels and you study the life of Jesus, what you will discover is that Jesus orchestrated a lot of events A lot of moments that left people thinking, wow. That wowed his audiences. I mean, think about all the stuff that Jesus did, like walking on water, feeding 5,000 people in one setting with only five loaves of bread and two fish, healing the sick, the lame, the mute, the blind, the deaf, calming the storm, literally bringing people back from the dead. Jesus did a lot of stuff that just wowed people, that left people thinking, wow, I can't believe he just did that. But out of all the things that Jesus accomplished while on earth, as impressive as they are, nothing compares to what he accomplished on this very day some 2,000 years ago. Because on this day, Jesus literally, physically defeated the grave. Jesus rose from the dead and here's the thing he defeated death so we you and me can live these seven words change the course of human history forever he is not here he has risen Those seven words were first spoken by angels to some women who came to the tomb to check on the dead body of Jesus, but those seven words weren't just for the women on that first Easter morning. They're for all of us. They're for you and for me, and I want to ask you, what are you going to do with those seven words? Have they made any difference in your life whatsoever? Because I don't know how you came into this room today or how you started worshiping with us online. I don't know how you're feeling right now. You may have started this service excited and pumped because it's Easter Sunday. You love Easter Sunday, and you just couldn't wait to worship. And if that's you, that's great. That's where I am as well. But I'm sure not everyone is like that. I'm sure there's a broad range of emotions right now when it comes to those who are listening to this message. And right now, you may only be part of this service because somebody invited you to be here. And that's, you're here just because they wanted you to be, and that's okay. We're glad you're here. And some of you right now, you may not be that excited because life has thrown you some curveballs. And right now, if you were to describe yourself, you might use words like down, discouraged, anxious, nervous, worried. Maybe right now you've, you're thinking about all the pain that you've experienced in the past few months or even over the course of the past year. Maybe you're hurting right now. Maybe you're not in the best place right now. And if that's you, that's okay as well. Maybe some of you guys are just confused and you don't know what this is all about, but you're here and we're glad you're here as well. Because no matter what situation you find yourself in right now, this day is for you. Easter is for you. The resurrection of Jesus is for you. And those seven words, he is not here, he is risen, they are for you. Listen to what we can have when we decide to follow Jesus. The Bible says this in 1 Peter says, we were born again to a new life and have a hope that never dies. This hope is ours because Jesus was raised from the dead. Did you catch what the Bible says here? It says that when Jesus is our Lord, when we are born again, we can have a hope that never dies. If you feel hopeless right now, you feel empty right now, you feel incomplete right now, you don't have to. When you make Jesus your Lord, he can resurrect your life. You see, if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. Because of Jesus, because he defeated death, we can live with hope, an everlasting hope, a hope that never fades away. Hope for today, hope for tomorrow. And I don't know about you, but in the world we currently live in, I could use a little bit of hope. I once heard somebody say, it's not original to me, but I agree with it, the resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. And I love that statement, because on the day that Jesus was crucified, I bet you his disciples were thinking this is the worst thing ever. But the worst thing in their minds led to the best moment in history, the resurrection of Jesus. And here's the thing, the same can be true for you. What God did for Jesus, he wants to do for you. And no matter what you're experiencing right now in life, it may seem like it's the worst thing, but when Jesus is your Lord, the worst thing is never the last thing. He gets the final say over your life. Listen to what the Bible says about Jesus. It says, But God set him free from death and raised him to life. Death could not hold him in its power. I love that. Did you catch that? Even death couldn't keep Jesus down. See, in our world's mindset, there is nothing more final than death. Death is it. There is nothing more final than death, and yet even death could not keep Jesus down. He defeated death, and what the Bible is telling us is that if he can defeat death, he can defeat anything in this world. And so right now, no matter where you are, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're going through, nothing this world can do to you can hold you back and keep you from the victory that is found in Jesus when you accept him as your Lord. The resurrection of Jesus means the worst thing is never the last thing. And when you live in his resurrected power, no matter what you're facing, it's not ever the last thing. But in order for that to be true for you, it all depends on what you do with these words. He is not here, he has risen. Because here's the thing, We could get together every Easter, and we can wear our pastel colors and go to brunch with our family afterwards, and we can pass out baskets to our kids with candy in it and take photos of our family and all that good stuff. There's nothing wrong with any of that. We can do that every single year, and we can celebrate a holiday and even remember an historical account, historical moment in history, but miss the real meaning of these seven words. Because I think even though there's nothing wrong with all the stuff that I just mentioned, the resurrection of Jesus is so much bigger than that. It shouldn't be limited to that. Jesus came to resurrect your life. Jesus defeated death so that you could live. He defeated death to resurrect you. And so my question is, will you let him today? You know, one thing I love about the narratives that talk about Easter in Scripture is that in the immediate moments following Jesus' resurrection, you know who he first appeared to? He appeared to common, normal, everyday, average people like you and me. See, if I was Jesus and I was coming back from the grave, you know what I would have done? I would have first appeared to Pilate, you know, the governor who had sentenced me to death. I would have appeared to him. I would have knocked on his front door and said, hey, I'm back. Or I would have gone to, you know, like the Jewish leaders. And I would have appeared to them and said, hey, thought you got rid of me, but you didn't. Scared him to death. That's what I would have done. But that's not what Jesus Isn't a good thing I'm not Jesus, you know? (laughs) No, Jesus, when he first came back, he didn't appear to the Roman emperor or government officials or the elite of society or the religious rulers. Now, you know who Jesus first appeared to? Common, everyday, average, normal people like you and me. And we meet two of those people that he first appeared to in Luke chapter 24. We're not told a whole lot about them. In fact, we only know one of their names. But we do know that they were some of the early followers of Jesus. Now, they weren't part of the original 12 disciples, but they were some of the guys that hung around with the disciples and got to know Jesus. We also know that these two guys, they were in Jerusalem on the day that Jesus was crucified, that Good Friday. And they were in Jerusalem with the disciples, hiding out after Jesus was crucified. But when Sunday came around, they're headed back home. They're headed to a little town called Emmaus, a little town that was barely even on the map. And they're getting out of town because they know what's happening. This guy who they thought was the Messiah apparently isn't. He's been crucified. And the leadership, the Jewish leadership, the Roman authorities, they might be after his followers next, so they're leaving Jerusalem to head back Home. Now, here's the interesting thing. These two guys, before they headed home, they got word that the tomb was empty. See, like I said, they kind of hid out with the disciples that Friday night and Saturday they couldn't go anywhere because it was a Sabbath and you weren't allowed to travel. But then Sunday morning came around and before they left, the women came back from the tomb who had just tried to go and annoy Jesus' body with spices, but he wasn't there. They came back and they said, listen, this is what the angels told us. The angels said to us, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. And these women, they run back to tell the other followers of Jesus, the tomb was empty, Jesus was gone. We saw angels sent from God. But apparently this news was too good to be true because the Bible goes on to say that the men who were left behind, when the women came back and told them this, they said, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Now, there's probably some application here for us, especially us men in the room today, that we need to listen to our wives when they tell us stuff. But that's a sermon for a different day. I'm not going to even touch that right now. But still, there probably is some application here. But the women came back and they said, hey, the tomb was empty. The angel said he's alive. They didn't believe their testimony. Their words sounded like nonsense to them. And two of the guys, those two guys from Emmaus they didn't believe the women's testimony to the point that they headed back home. They didn't even wait around to see if what they said could possibly be true. Early that Sunday morning, they headed back to Emmaus. I find that extremely interesting because these men have apparently given up hope. They're down, they're discouraged. And as they're making that seven mile walk back to Emmaus, guess what happens? Jesus appears in their midst. Jesus starts to walk with them. He says, hey, do you care if I walk along beside you? Here's what the Bible says. It says Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Apparently Jesus is messing with some people just a little bit, but there's there's a point to this. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. I bet you these men didn't even look up. They don't know it's Jesus. This is just a stranger who walks up with them and says, can I walk along with you guys? And they say, sure. But I bet they don't even look at him because they're discouraged. They're down. They've given up hope. They probably don't even make eye contact with him. I can just imagine their body language. Their heads are down. Their their shoulders are shrugged. They, They don't know what to do. And sometimes we get to the point in life where we just feel like we can't hide our emotion anymore. And I think that's how these guys were. I don't know if you guys have heard of this product or not. It's a clothing product called Spanx. Anybody ever heard of Spanx before? Anybody? I'm not asking if you're wearing them. I'm asking, have you heard of them? Okay, some of you apparently have. And basically, this is a clothing product that promises to help you hide... Some of the physical realities that you want to hide if you know what I'm saying And so they actually made these for men and women and I was in a store a few years ago And I saw this is a shirt made for men and I thought I got to try this out I got to see if this really works make me look better than what I actually look so anyway I bought this and I went home and I tried it on and let me tell you something I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital after I put it on. I mean, it was like wearing a rubber band. I thought I was going to have to go to the ER. I couldn't breathe. It was terrible. I don't know how people wear this, but apparently people do. And so I got this, and I thought, this is just crazy. But I know why people wear stuff like this. Because we want to try to hide something that we don't want seen. And I don't know if you're like me. That's the case for me when it comes to my own spiritual life sometimes. That's the case for me when it comes to my own... Emotions and feelings sometimes I like to act like I have it all together and probably you do too And so we bottle up and we hide our frustrations our sadness our emotions We bottle up our depression and discouragement our anger our fears and we try to act like we have it all together But eventually what's in us comes out of us eventually we can't hide that stuff anymore and honestly, I think that's what's going on in our culture right now. 2020, it was a period of time because of the pandemic. Well, I think some things came to the surface that we've been trying to hide for a while. And everybody's looked around like, where did all this come from? Like our entire culture has changed all of a sudden. I think it was always there. We were just better at hiding it. And now all this stuff has come to the surface because after a while you just can't hide it anymore. And I think that's where these guys were on the road to Emmaus. They're so sad. They're so down. They're so discouraged. They're so disappointed. They can't hide it. When this stranger who they don't know is Jesus, when he walks up to them, they don't fake a smile. They don't even try. They don't try to put on a show for him. He knows right away they're discouraged. You can tell it by their body language. And so Jesus asked them, what are you guys talking about? And I love how they respond says, one of them named Cleopas, good old Cleo here, Cleo asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. See, good old Cleo, he says, have you been living under a rock? I mean, are you for real? Are you serious? Do you really not know what's been going on? Everybody's talking about it. And I think Jesus is still playing with them here, a little bit messing with them a little bit in a good way. And he says, what things? You tell me. He wants them to express what they're feeling right now. And this is how they respond. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped, and Paul's right there, Notice the past tense. We had hoped. They've given up hope. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel, that he was the Messiah. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him, they did not see. See, these guys, they've given up. That phrase, those three words, we had hoped, that's what stands out to me. We had hoped he was the one we were waiting for. We had hoped he was our long-awaited king. We had hoped he was our Messiah, but we know that's not true anymore. That's how they're feeling. And here's the thing, I could understand if they had given up hope if they hadn't heard the testimony of the women. If they had left town before the women came back from the tomb, but here's the thing, they've already heard the testimony of the women. They've already heard that the women saw angels and that the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty and Jesus wasn't there. And you might be asking, well, why wouldn't they at least wait around to see if it was even a possibility that it was true? Let's put ourselves in their shoes for a second. These guys, all their lives, had waited and longed for this Messiah to come. And out of nowhere, Jesus of Nazareth comes on the scene And he's wowing everybody. I mean, he's doing miracles left and right. And he is calming storms and walking on water. He is feeding 5,000 people at a time. And he is healing the lame and the sick and all those who have infirmities. I mean, Jesus is going through the towns. And he's the most popular figure around. And not only that, he teaches in a way like they had never heard before. And he's hanging out with people that others don't hang out with. I mean, he's hanging out With the outcasts of society, prostitutes and tax collectors and zealots and rebels and other notorious sinners. He's hanging out with these people and adding value to their lives. And over a three-year period, this grassroots movement is building and growing as people are ready to make him their king. And so they enter into Jerusalem. People are waving palm branches and they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're ready for Jesus to take his rightful throne. And then before anybody realizes what's going on, Jesus is arrested. Roman soldiers strip him naked. He's beaten and punched. He's flogged, whipped. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They take six-inch spikes, nails, put them in his hands and his feet, nail him to a cross. And then within a few hours, he dies. He's brutally executed. These two men on the road to Emmaus, they had seen people be crucified before. Rome did it a lot. It was Rome's way of keeping the foreigners that lived among them under control. These two men from Emmaus, they had seen a lot of people crucified. And you didn't come back from that. They believed Jesus was dead. So what does Jesus do? Jesus basically says to them, haven't you guys been paying attention to what the prophets said about the Messiah? I think you've got the wrong idea of the Messiah. Weren't you paying attention in Sunday school and children's church growing up? Don't you remember what the scripture says about the Messiah? And then the passage goes on to say, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, Jesus goes all the way back to the book of Genesis and goes all through the Old Testament and explains who the Messiah was supposed to be and what he was supposed to do. Could you imagine listening to that sermon? I mean, for this seven-mile walk, they get a sermon from Jesus. How cool would that have been? And then they eventually get to Emmaus. And on their way, as Jesus is teaching them, the Bible says that their hearts were burning inside them because they were starting to get it. They were starting to understand that they had misunderstood who the Messiah was supposed to be. And so they get to Emmaus, and the Bible says that Jesus acted as if he were going further. Emmaus isn't his last stop. He's not going to stop there. He's going to keep going. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening The day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. See, you didn't travel at night in this day and age. He was too dangerous. There were robbers and bandits and thieves. You didn't travel at night, and so they look at Jesus again. They still don't know who he is. They're like, hey, you don't need to travel at night. Stay here with us, and they respected him already because they can see he's a great teacher of God's word. Why don't you stay with us for the night, and then in the morning you can go on wherever you were planning on going. So Jesus agrees, he accepts their invitation and he eats a meal with them and here's the thing, apparently they make him the host of the meal because Jesus is the one who breaks bread with them and what's cool is as Jesus is breaking bread, something happens. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them, these two men. Then, then, As He broke bread, their eyes were opened and they recognized Him and He disappeared from their sight. In the moment of Him breaking bread, they recognized finally who He is and then Jesus is gone. And we'll talk about that here in just a second, where He went. But why is it that it was this moment that they recognized Jesus? Why now? Well maybe it was supernaturally revealed to them, that's possible. The Bible doesn't say that, but that's possible. Uh, maybe it was something Jesus said. He gave a hint to his identity. That's possible. Again, the Bible doesn't say that either, but it's possible. Maybe it was in his prayer, you know, as he prayed, they thought, man, only Jesus prays like that. I don't know. It's possible. But maybe, just maybe, the reason why in that moment as he broke bread, they knew he was Jesus was because it was the first time they had seen his hands. And as they looked at those hands that were breaking bread and handing the bread to them, they realized there were holes in his hands, scars in his hands. And in that moment, they remembered those very hands having nails driven into them just a few days prior. And they're piecing this all together about how the Messiah had to suffer, but then he would rise again. That's what the prophets said. And they realize in that moment that they are sitting at a table with the one who had defeated and conquered death. And then Jesus is taken from them. And I love what happens next. It says, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. What? They just made a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem. They couldn't wait to get out of Jerusalem. They were running from Jerusalem, and now they're running back to Jerusalem? Why? It says, There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen. What happened to not traveling at night because it's dangerous? That didn't seem to matter anymore. You know why? Because Jesus is alive and when you know the one who conquered death, our earthly fears assume their proper size. They weren't scared of thieves and robbers anymore. They weren't scared of the Jewish leaders anymore. They weren't scared of the Roman officials anymore. They knew the one who had defeated death and nothing else mattered anymore like it used to. You see, the hope of the resurrection changes everything. And I want you to know today, Jesus won. He defeated death. He is alive. And he today holds the keys of death and Hades. And he can resurrect your life today. And it doesn't matter what you've been experiencing. It doesn't matter what pain you've experienced, what fear you've experienced, it doesn't matter what your sin has done to you, what sins you've committed, what temptation you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what's happened in your past. It doesn't matter what you've done or what's been done to you. I'm telling you, nothing that you've experienced in this life is final when you know the one who has defeated the grave. The hope of the resurrection changes everything. The Summer Olympics are coming up. They're supposed to be last summer because of COVID, you know, they moved them. And my wife, Allison, she loves the Olympics. She watches them every four years or so, and she even watches the Winter Olympics as well. She's glued to the TV while it's on, and a few years ago, we were watching the Winter Olympics in Vancouver, and we were fascinated by Sean White. You guys may know about him. He's an Olympic snowboarder. He's won three gold medals, and he's just very impressive, and I remember watching him in 2010 in the Vancouver Olympics, and just being so impressed by him, and what was cool is he was he was doing the, the half halfpipe. That's where he was trying to get his gold medal, and the way that this works works is if you make it to the finals of the half pipe you get to do a run and then you get to do a second run and they take your high score between those two runs and so uh, they all the all those who made it to the finals they went through and they made their first run and Sean White at the end of the first run had the high score so he's the guy to beat now so through their second run everybody else is trying to beat him and he gets to go last because he's got the high score so everybody else is trying to beat him and they get down to the very end he's the last one to go and nobody's beat his original score So that means he automatically gets the gold medal. He could literally stand up at the start of the halfpipe and fall to his knees, and he would still win the gold medal because he had the high score, but that's not what he did. Instead, Sean does an even more difficult run the second time around. Here's a clip of him doing this run. He ends up doing a move that no one had ever successfully completed in the Olympics, known as the Double McTwist 1260. He does it at the very end of this run. You can tell he's going at it. He's not holding back. This is a more impressive run than what he did the first time, and then finally, when he gets down to the end, this is when he does this famous move that, like I said, had never been successfully done in the the Olympics, and here it is, the Double McTwist 1260, and he nails it. Now, I really don't know why that's that impressive. I've done that before. just not on purpose, but still. (laughs) But why is it that he attempted a more difficult run the second time through? Because he knew he had already won. And here's the thing, when you know you've won, it changes everything, it changes your perspective, It changes your outlook, it changes your focus, it gives you confidence, you see everything differently because you know no matter what happens, they can't take the victory away from you. And that's how these guys on the road to Emmaus feel. They're not worried about bandits and thieves and robbers. They're not worried about the Roman government. They're not worried about the Jewish leaders because they know Jesus has won and they're on his side and they know that no one can defeat the one who defeated death. So the stuff that used to matter doesn't matter anymore. And what's cool is when they get back to the other disciples, they're there meeting with them and telling them everything that they had just experienced. And all of a sudden, Jesus, remember I said he disappeared from them? Jesus reappears in their midst as they're telling the other disciples about what they just experienced. And the other disciples are scared to death. And look at what Jesus says. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. See, what Jesus here is doing is he's saying, look at the nail prints in my hands. What you once thought was the worst moment in history, I am now proving was not the end and it ended up being the best moment in history because I took the worst and turned it into the best. And in this moment, he is proving to his disciples, proving to the world that death lost, life won through him, and what seemed like the worst thing was not the last thing. Jesus defeated death so he could resurrect your life. And no matter what you're experiencing and going through right now, it may seem like the worst thing, but when Jesus is your Lord, what seems like the worst thing is never the last thing. So what's our challenge today? If you already are a follower of Jesus, live the resurrected life because when you know the one who defeated death, it changes everything. Live like he is alive today. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, you've never accepted him as your Lord, here's the invitation. In just a little bit, at 1230 today, we're gonna have baptisms here in this room. You don't have to be signed up. You can hang around. You can stay for those baptisms. And if you right now feel like something is missing in your life, you feel empty, you want the hope of the resurrection, you can have it today by being baptized into Christ. And today, you can stand in the waters of baptism and give God the worst moments of your life, and he will bury them. And you can rise to walk in newness of life, and he will turn that into the best moment of your life. If that's what you need to do today, we hope that you'll be here at 1230 because we love, we would love to see you experience the resurrected life. Guys, Jesus is alive, let's go out and live like it. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for today and this Resurrection Sunday where we celebrate your son and how he defeated the grave. And we just pray that we can go out and we will live the resurrected life because we know you have won. And Father, we don't have to figure out who's victorious. We know the answer. We just have to decide whose team we're on. Father, I'm so grateful to be on your son's team. May we go out and show the world what life looks like. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.